horns, horns, horns. Only posers don't listen. Hey, everybody. It's me, Matthew Gironi, the host of Only Posers, with my co-host, Sarah our historian and basically the person running the podcast for the month and the next month. Happy she kinda, Women's History Month. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she basically runs the podcast. Uh, what is it? Uh, Kyle is also here with me, uh, and so is Jake. But uh, they're kind of sitting in for this episode because we are doing another episode of Women's History Month uh, to contribute to the month of history. Last, month, uh, last week we did uh, the Pirate Queen. Uh, this week is a much, I actually find this much more interesting. I'm mm-hmm. going to be honest with you. I'm going to let Sarah kind of explain this character because she definitely, I brought up the pirate queen. She definitely brought this to us. Um, her name is Dorothea Dix. She has been s- described as the most effective advocate of humanitarian reform in American mental is- institutions during the 19th century. And that was by Goldstein in 1970. Um, she was born April 4th, 1802 in Hampton, Maine. And so we're just going to get into the beginning of her story, just to start it off. So you just want to get into the beginning? or do, Like, how did you hear about this person? I'm like, reading a book that I can't find the name of about, okay. about mental hospitals. This person, after reading this, you sent me this outline and you gave me some pamphlets and some sources to read. I read a lot. Like, I read a lot. We we read a decent amount, at least, from... And you read more than me. Yeah. But, like, we we did a good amount of research on this, char- uh, on this character uh, in history. Um, um, Basically, I, she did a lot. She kicked ass and... But the connection you... Like, your connection to loving mental hospitals, like the, mm-hmm. arch- uh, the architecture. architecture of the building, and then also kind of the connection to the history aspect and how they treated these people and how, Mm -hmm. like, all those other aspects, this emulates that. And I told you this before we started the episode. Sarah is awesome at helping me with the episodes and awesome at, like, doing the research and structuring things with me and organizing things. She's amazing at that. I'm a little better at the acting side of this show, and that's why I kind of always am talking, because I'm (laughs) dictating. I'm carrying it across, or I'm trying to at least. And, uh, but th- I really want to talk, at least before we go into it, about how much this character kind of reminds me of you and your passion for this stuff. Because of the fact that she's a historical character, she would, during a time, I mean, she was born in when, you said? It was 1802. 1802. 1802. Okay, this is before the Civil War. All right, all right. This is like... Oh, what, 25, 27 years into our country being I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, I think it's like 27 years after America was born. All right? <laughs> this this bitch is born now. <laughs> like, tw- like, she could ask America to buy her beer. Like, she's, yeah. she could be cool with America. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's ridiculous. And then, and then she grows up in this time. Women aren't respected. They're definitely not treated as yeah. equals in any respect. She does. She totally ignores all. Like I, we're gonna get into it. Like totally ignores all the the norms of the time for women. Gets super educated, super bright. Never needs a dude. Like straight up, straight up doesn't need a dude. Influences the fucking world. Pushes to influence the world, basically. I mean, she did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're gonna get into it. But I mean, she pushed for all these different policies that helped mentally ill people throughout America and Canada. Uh, even in Europe a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she uh, she built the and got these institutions built where they were specialized in just mental illness. Because basically before that, they just threw you in jail and chained you to the wall naked. Yeah. You know, like, 
it, people people were so not willing to deal with someone who was mentally ill, even in small fashions. And like, the, the, I mean, I read a little bit about it. I mean, they still do some of this stuff. Not not all of it, but I know that electrical shocks, like the electrical mm-hmm. shock therapy, that was being done in the 90s and 2000s. And a lot of mental hospitals were closed like in the 90s and 80s because of stuff. They were, yeah, they like were still the doing fucked up shit into yeah. the 90s and 80s. Um, there's a lot of different documentaries and different things that highlight these things. So I we can go down the list, but mm. but uh, it's it's really it's super fucking inhuman, like to think that like it's I understand the frustration of dealing with somebody who's mentally ill when you're not mentally ill and you feel like you don't have a responsibility towards this person, mm-hmm. but it's just I find it very insanely noble that you're like you connect with that subject more so than any other. It's super punk. It is in a way because it's like. You're you're taking the 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 we're we're only as strong as our weakest link attitude and like really helping the weakest people they they have no concept of reality yeah. you know so I guess let's get into it you know um it's Dorothy Ann Dix Dorothea Dor Dorothea we're gonna one of these days we're gonna get great at these names everybody's <laughs> gonna get educated right it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Okay, at a young age of 12, she moved in with her grandmother in Boston since her parents were alcoholics and her father was abusive. When Interesting. She, when she was 14, her grandmother wanted her to be more of a wealthy girl, which Dorothy had no interest in. So her grandmother requested she move in with her aunt, who would turn Dorothy into a lady. She stayed there for, for nearly four years, and she attended school in Boston and tutored children at age 14. Yeah, she did shit young. Yeah. So she tutored kids at 14. The whole, I love that statement, like her being a proper lady. Which I don't think she ever like was, she's like, I'm not doing this basically. Yeah, but that, that attitude that there was like, that was the time period she lived in. Like you had to be a proper lady. Like if you weren't married, if you weren't marrying material and you couldn't like have children, like in some way you were useless or something. That's like super fucked up. And like, she didn't take that shit. And... 1821, she opened a school for girls in Boston. She had come in contact with her second cousin, Edward, who had encouraged and helped her open her school at the age 15. Age 15. And she was teaching girls between the age of 6 and 8. And she ran the school for three years. So she, at 15, I, like, I think set off, like, pipe bombs at 15. Like, I don't, I don't, I rode my bike to, like, (laughs) like, quick check and got a soda and thought like it was sick because I could ride my bike that far. Um, what the fuck? Like, I was sending shit on fire in the back of Big Lots. <laughs> I love that you picked Big Lots. Um, uh, what is it? Um, I just think it's ridiculous that like at such a young age you were expected to have such responsibilities. We're going to get into this cousin, aren't we, in a minute? Yeah, we are. Because the cousin? Dude. Second man, cousin. Second. Very good defense, okay, for what we're about to say about him. <laughs> Because seriously, this happens pretty commonly in a lot of the stories we we've been reading, I, like families being involved like with each other in a way is a common. Explain it before I say it. Okay, so she had um, she, when Dorothea was eighteen. Okay, so we're jumping. So she was legal. <laughs> yeah, as soon as she became legal, Edward, who was thirty one, thirty one, told her that he had fallen in love with her. Frightened and scared, she immediately closed down her school and returned to the Dick's mansion in Boston. However, this did not deter Edward. He followed Dorothea to Boston and proposed marriage. 
She accepted his proposal, but would not agree to a defined date of marriage. The, ob the obvious reasoning for resisting marriage with Edward... Not because they were cousins or anything. Yeah, not because they <laughs> might be fucking related. Was that Dorothea feared that she would become like her parents. Marriage to her meant des desertion of children, emotional outbreaks, fights, and heavy drinking. And then in the spring of 1821, Dorothea's father died in New Hampshire. At this time in her life, she knew that she was not supposed to marry Edward and she returned his engagement win. That's big ring. of her, returning yeah. the ring? Yeah. That's big. Her life from there on was devoted to teaching children and expanding her own horizons. It's just ridiculous that, like, why even participate in this fucking game? Like, he's your second cousin. Why is this even happening? Why is he 31 and participate? Like, you can propose to 18-year-old girls at 31 back in the day and that, like, nobody's gonna, so. nobody's gonna bat an eye. Yeah, everyone's just like, oh, dude, you tried? Like, okay, first Whoa. of all, you're tw 12, no, f 13 years older than her. Now, besides that, you're her fucking cousin. You're related. You That's met. the most important part. They met through her aunt. I think it's legal in certain states. There's 26 states, I think, where it's in legal Boston, to mar 26. marry. 26 states in, in America where you can marry your second cousin. In not your first cousin. Though? What? Massachusetts. I would doubt, I don't know. I mean, it was back in the day. It was 1800. I don't know if they had that many laws. I mean, they were still writing the laws, maybe. You know, like, they weren't that creative yet. You know? Because <laughs> there's good ones on the books that we should, we'll do another bullshit episode where you just read the ridiculous laws that you can't, like, you didn't think you couldn't do. They're like, mm -hmm. they're like time travel laws. They're literally like the government wrote certain laws that if you like time travel, if you go through uh, space or something and you're on, on grounds, if you, um, I think there's you can't clone people like that's against the law like you know all these weird things where they thought ahead of time they're like yo people are dicks maybe they might figure this out in their garage let's tell them they can't <laughs> like I just like that they figured out the the legal yeah. aspect of it but yeah we'll do another list episode like that so when she was 19 she basically decided she didn't need a man that's what it comes to she didn't really need one before that yeah. I mean she I mean he was really I mean he was the money I guess in that situation so. that helped for fun the school but I mean he, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't set up that way where it was like, oh, yo, I'm in love with you. Here, take this money. Yeah. I think it was, he came in, hey, I'm your cousin. I'll help you out. We're family. I'll give you this money. And that's how she took it when he had prior motives. And then when she, he waited, that's fucked up too. Yeah. Like so he thought he was, what's was the word for before. that? Prepping, right? <laughs> Isn't that like, like when you prep somebody? Yeah. That's the word, right? Yeah. That's mad rapey, bro. Super rapey, dude. That's what Tim Armstrong did to, what's her name from the distillers? Brody Dow? Yeah, dude. He bro, met her when she was a, like 15. Yeah, but she had a fucking fake ID. And it looked yeah, and that shit. existed her whole life. He used, She used the fake ID. Her own, Come on, dude. He had a relationship. <laughs> he was like my age when he met her. All right? Like, he met her and he was like way older. Way older. And she was underage. He prepped her, then got married to her, and then got all bummed when she finally figured out he's kind of a pedo. <laughs> all right? Like, after, like, fucking 10 years of marriage or some shit like that. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of on her side. Like, that's super, that's super rapey. Like, I love his music. Great songwriter and everything. But eh, he might have prepped a girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in 1836, Dorothea began taking care of her sick grandmother and continued teaching at her school. So after she closed her school, after Edward, she opened another school. Okay, so I guess she did that on the merit of the other, the money and stuff like that. Yeah. I wonder how that works back then. Like, do you just get a shack? 
and like put a sign outside and you're like I'm fucking <laughs> welcome, welcome to school at 15 <laughs> you know? yeah I feel like that's all I feel like fun. that's old America yeah. where like we eventually figured that out and they're like no we can't let people do that <laughs> and now and like that's what Republicans are mad about they're like oh I can't just like enslave people and, like, <laughs> and like just set up a business by putting a sign on a shack like what the fuck <laughs> this is America and they're like no you're just racist and dick like <laughs> I was having like a discussion with, uh, what is it? People say PC, like things are too PC. I don't think we should call it that anymore. I think we should call it manners <laughs> and you don't have them. Yeah. All right. Like, I think that would be fairer and makes more sense. Yeah, really. Because yeah. I was saying that to my father. I'm like, maybe it's just like you don't have manners. <laughs> you know, like you, you're supposed to treat people a certain way. You don't know how to treat people <laughs> like that, you know. Okay. Um, however, she became more and more drained and eventually had a complete breakdown and sub- severe hemorrhages. Her condition was was now called tuberculosis, but they had no name for it or a treatment. Upon her doctor's urging, she gave up her school and took a very long vacation set by Dr. Channing to England. While she was recuperating, her grandmother and mother died within two days of each other. What? That's super unfortunate. Well, she left them to go get better. So, I mean, it's understandable, though. They're rich. They should have people. You know what's sweet when people have, like, you hear about those old couples and, like, one goes and the other one goes right after, like, I'm done. It's super, like, in a sad way, it's sweet, you know? Yeah. Um, What is it? What is tuberculosis? Can someone Google that? Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. Not, I've heard the name of that, and I'm just, I, I don't know what it is. I'm honestly curious to know, like, what tuberculosis is. I think it's, it's something good. Something with a lot of coughing, I think. Really? Something like lung related? I think so. Hmm. Hmm. Come on, guys. They're they're potentially serious infectious bacterial disease that mainly affects the lungs. Oh, so you were right. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. She stayed in England until January of 1841 when she returned to Boston in better health. While visiting overseas... She met with groups of reformers interested in changing the way the mentally ill were cared for. She often reported her findings to several politicians. Dix pushed states to care for the unfortunate. Although many politicians disagreed with her work, she moved forward. This is like the super inspiring stuff. Like the fact that it wasn't enough to like literally be in a hospital helping people or reporting, Mm. hey, hey, these people are not really doing their jobs. But she was like, oh, we have to pass legislation. Like, understanding that policy means something, Mm -hmm. even in 1841. In a different country. Yeah, but I I think that that's a misconception that a lot of people think that culture matters more than than policy. And I very much disagree. And I I remember we saw Modern Life is War at, I love that band, uh, at, um, what do you call it, House of Independence. And... um, they he said something like no it's about the culture it doesn't matter what the policy and i like i was almost a little upset like i wish i could talk to him like i honestly wish i could have had a conversation with him because maybe that's not how he meant it but Mm -hmm. it kind of came off as this like we're the culture all we need to do is worry about and like no it really doesn't you know like if you're not out there willing to fight to get the rules changed they're not going to change them and they're going to keep treating people like shit you know Mm -hmm. When Dix returned to the United States, she set out to tour mental hospitals across the country. As well, when she returned, she came to find she had inherited a good amount of money. Pretty sure it's from her grandmother and her mother. That's what I read. Yeah. Everything I read was her grandmother and her mother. I, I couldn't find really anything more than that, but it made the most sense that like she got yeah. back 
it eventually came through and they, they left her that money. It was enough to basically keep her comfortable for life, which would be nice. <laughs> well, you also have to remember it's like 1840-something. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm sure the amount of money she had wouldn't go as long, far nowadays, you know? I really don't... We They didn't really discuss that. I didn't see a number mm-hmm. with uh, yeah. the money, just that she inherited it. It was like gold shillings at the time. <laughs> that would be sick if money was still in coin form. Like, <laughs> instead of we did, like, paper, because we had the paper I would love to be, like, be get like, a, a beer or something and be like, here's two. Yeah, you know, ship like, it off. The, like, yeah. ship, you know, throw the coin to people. Be like, hey, take one of these. Go get me a six-pack, you know? Like, that's fucking sick. They should do that just on Cool Factor. <laughs> 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 They're like it's insanely impractical and hard to and it can be easily counterfeited. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but it's fun. But it's you know it looks cool. In 1841, when she was 39, a young clergyman asked her to begin a Sunday school class in the East Cambridge House of Correction, which is a jail in Massachusetts. She accepted oh. the challenge, which was volunteer work. Not volunteer work, but she was volunteering. It, it, so they just they just asked her to do a Sunday school. Like Sunday school to me is little kid shit. Like right, like they take a bunch of little kids and they bring them in the back and they're like, Jesus loves you unless you're a Jew. Well, or like right, is that what it is? I went I went to Sunday school and that's kind of what it was. I mean, this is a different time period. Though. Okay, All right. and it's in a jail, so I'm sure they still didn't like Jews. <laughs> Not that I, I mean, they're obviously wrong. In the prison, she first observed the inhumane treatment of insane and mentally disturbed persons who were incarcerated with criminals, irrespective of age or sex. This is, yeah, they didn't care about what, you know, they didn't care what sex they were, like men, women, rape, whatever. What was wrong with them? If you were, like, fucked up like that, they had you, like, no clothes because it was easier to hose them down. Like, everything I read about why why they had them like that is, like, it was all out of frustration. Like, they would start them off in, like, regular population, and they'd fuck up. And they'd move into solitary, and they'd be, like, violent to themselves or something. And they would mess up the room and stuff like that and mess up their clothes. So they got sick and tired of fucking dealing with that. So they eventually, like, yeah, it's just, like, left them, in the, like, left them like they were inanimate objects. And, like, basically chained to a wall, no clothes feces on the wall, blood on the walls. And then when she asked the jail why it was in this conditions, the answer was the insane do not feel heat or cold. Yeah, because they yeah didn't ma- they didn't have any like temperature in those parts. It was usually a basement or something like that, like a place that would be used normally for storage in a prison. Was like a lot of the places that were conditioned like that, and they also punished uh, criminals who were sane by throwing them down there with them. And a lot of times they'd end up like them and stuck down there. That that happened too. A lot of fucked up... Like, when you look into prison reform and you look into, like, what were kind of... Sl- like, the beginning of that, mm-hmm. it, it's just insane to think that you could maybe even be wrongly charged or, a, a, you know, convicted of something. And they also had still had debtor's prisons back in um, in the early part of the country. Um, where you could be arrested for not, like not paying taxes or not like paying debts or certain things like that and in prison for those things. And um, yeah, to think that you could be thrown away like that, like a thrown... I, I have a lot of remorse for prison. I don't know why. Only be, maybe because I was an ex-junkie and like, I know I'm not supposed to call him drunk. I, was, I can say it. <laughs> it's our word. Uh, what is it? Uh, but um, 
you know, like, I, I just feel like that I have that remorse because I feel like I was close to that. And, like, I know a lot of, I have family members that have been in jail and stuff like that. And, yeah, there's, like, this inhumanness that you're, like, you're, you're punished in that way. Mm-hmm. Dorothea then proceeded to visit jails and alms, almshouses. Is that another name for, like, that jails? Was poor people's houses. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Where the mentally ill were housed in other parts of Boston, and soon her investigations extended over the entire state of Massachusetts. In January 1843, she submitted to the Massachusetts legislator a detailed report of her thoroughly documented findings. Her dignity, compassion, and determination were effective in helping to pass a bill for the enlargement of the Worcester Insane Asylum, which I've been to. Yeah, I think this is the fact that she knew and smart enough to document it, Mm -hmm. to make it a report and be like, I'm going to turn you in. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to allow you to act this way. You know, we do, I mean, we still do that in a grander scale, I guess, with like the UN or the NATO and stuff like that, where we have people report on countries, except for people don't seem to do much about it. <laughs> and actually the Worcester Insane Asylum, they demolished the main part of it, but they saved the clock tower and made it into a monument. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So they do they build a lot of institutions nowadays for men, mentally ill, just not to get too off track. Um, I don't really know about the new ones. I only know about the old ones because I feel like it's cool. probably more part of a a, a prison as, nowadays. Yeah, they're not like used it, as much, or yeah. they're used in hospitals more. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, Dix then moved to Rhode Island and later New York. She eventually established asylums in New Jersey, North Carolina, and Illinois. She worked to pass federal legislation that would create a national asylum, though the bill did not pass. This Dix also toured overseas reporting on the conditions of hospitals in various countries, which it says it later, but the first mental hospital she opened in New Jersey was Trenton Mental Hospital. Yeah, I was just about to ask you that question, which one was the one she opened. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. So it, is it still there? Oh yeah, it's still there and open. Oh, it's still operating? Yeah. That's crazy. She opened one in our state and it's still open. Well, you said first one in New Jersey or only? First one. Oh, okay. first one she opened. That's insane. Did There's... you do Verona also? I don't know. Oh. There's one in, um, uh, I want to say Fork and River or like Lacey, kind of that area of Ocean County. Mm-hmm. And I don't know too much about it, but I have, I used to uh, do a pool job down there. And they had like an alarm go off. Like you actually heard a siren. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, we're fixing a pool or doing something in a pool? And I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh, shit, somebody escaped. And he, like, lived in the area. I'm like, what do you mean somebody escaped? He's like, they set that off when, like, someone gets out of the facility. And it was, like, super harmless. Like, it was basically, like, an elderly man, like, walking down the street. And they, like, just guided him back to the facility. (laughs) But, like, he got out and was, like, roaming around. And they, like, literally had a siren. This was, like, almost over 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know? In the next 40 years, Dix inspired legislators in 15 U.S. states and in Canada to establish state hospitals for the mentally ill. Her unflagging efforts directly affected the building of 32 institutions in the United States. She carried on her work even while on a tour of Europe in in 1854 and 1856, notably in Italy, where she prevailed upon Pope 
Pius VI to inspect personally the atrocious conditions she had discovered. So she even reached out to the motherfucking Pope. And she got him to. She got the king of the fucking Catholics. <laughs> Where new institutions were not required, she fostered the reorganization, enlargement, and restaffing with well-trained, intelligent personnel of already existing hospitals. That's even bigger, that, like, it's not enough to just build the facility, that she knew it, it was important to make sure, like, they have the right people that care. And, like, actually, man, mental in, in, institute they just sound like such a horror story in a lot of ways because it, it almost seems a little scarier than prison in, in a weird, weird way because everybody can't help you because yeah. they're sick. And there's a sense of society doesn't care. And it's also, it's like, well, we have this place where they can help you, so let's just keep throwing people in there. Yeah, that attitude, too. Like, there's no way out, or, yeah. like, and that you could throw, like, yeah, this attitude, throw people in there. Like, and then you have five, uh, 20 patients to a nurse, at minimum. What? What? Yeah. What? How is that's that even legal? Unreal. It's not, that's the thing. See, but, like, that makes you even wonder why, like, aren't, why are there not, like... If there's a demand for that job, why isn't there people, like, there's got to be money, like, money involved in all of this, you know? We waste so much fucking money and stupid shit, like, we can't build, like, things to make people happy and, like, safe and stuff. Like, I mean, it makes everybody safe, like, not mm -hmm. just them, but their family, us, all of us. I mean, I'd rather them come out stable with the right medicine, like, being productive, you know? Yeah. It's, it's fucking fucked. In 1846, Dix published Remarks on Prisons and Prison Discipline in the United States to advocate reforms in the treatment of ordinary prisoners. Woman is a fucking author. <laughs> Alright? So she wrote a fucking book on it. Just to get them to fix the rules. Back then, that really meant something. Yeah. That's like doing a fucking documentary and putting it on HBO. Yeah. You know, like, it's the same sense because you're making a book that's, like, super controversial and everybody wants to know what it's about, you know? When the Civil War started in 1861, she was the superintendent of army nurses for the Union Army. She treated both the Confederate and Union soldiers. No biased. Yeah, which she was highly respected for. During a period when male doctors openly expressed disdain for female nurses, Dix continued to push for formal training and more opportunities for women nurses. So she's not just fighting for mental illness, she's fighting for women's rights. Too. And helping any soldier that came to her. And being totally biased when it comes to literally people that are fighting against her because she was part of the Union. Yeah. And born in the Union, you know? Over the course of the war, she appointed more than 3,000 or about 15% of the Union Army nurses. Fuck! She stepped down from her position in 1865. She never missed a day's work even though she was in poor health. What? Poor health. Like, I mean, I guess she's pretty old by now. And she was still, she was still sick with tuberculosis, I think. She's, like, in her 60s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's, uh, what, she was born in 02, so, like, yeah, she's 63 now and at, at this point. Yeah, everywhere I've read it, it seems like her health issues never really went away fully. Huh. Although yeah. her health was very poor, she managed to cover, cover every state on the east side of the Mississippi River. In all, she played a major role in founding 32 mental hospitals, 15 schools for the feeble-minded, a school for the blind, and numerous training facilities for nurses. Her efforts were an indirect inspiration for the building of many additional institutions for the mentally ill. She was also an instrument in establishing libraries and prisons, mental hospitals, and other institutions. Wow. 
I mean, it, like she did so much in. I mean, when did when did she pass away? Did we have that? And if we have one more page. Okay, in I'm on it. 1887. Oh, in 1887. Oh, damn, she lived an old life. Yeah, she did. Damn. <laughs> um, the first state building as a result of her efforts was Trenton Men- Trenton State Hospital in New Jersey. She fell ill in 1881 and at the age of 80 retired to a private apartment and lived out the rest of her life in Trenton State Hospital. Wow. The first hospital she had opened and wrote back to all the letters she received and supported her efforts. She died July 17th, 1887. What a beautiful way to end yeah. it. She retired and she just kept writing to her fan mail. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sick. That's what the dude that played Frankenstein did. Oh, shit. Boris Karloff. Yeah. Well, he had, there's a museum for him in, um, uh, what do you call it, in New York City. It's kind of small, but it has like a bunch of letters written by him and different that's things really like awesome. that. Yeah, well, well, I'd like to cover the Universal Horror Monsters eventually, but... This is way cooler. Um, yeah, super influential lady in history. I've never heard about her up until you know you bringing her up to me. Yeah, but you I know? mean, I found out about her in a book about mental hospitals. So. Damn, that was a good one. Yeah, that yeah, was. that was that's my favorite. That yeah, that was the best history character we've ever had done so far. Super inspiring. Like fought for all kinds of people's rights. Did stuff in Jersey and all over the world. Yeah. Okay. Um. Fuck. I don't know how we're going to fucking top that one. Like, I feel like we, you know, we already busted the nut. You know, like, I don't know how to put it. Like, we, Yeah, like, um, what is it? I guess, um, what is it? Yeah, we're kind of wrapping this up now. We kind of told this story the best I guess we could. Yeah. Um, we're not, you know, going to drag you out real long. We just did another episode before this. So, uh, you know, we're all kind of tired. Yeah. Um, what is it? So I guess tune in next time. Do we know who we're doing next? Nope. No, we don't. So you're going to find out when we do it. Um, we did just interview Scott to network. Yeah. And that episode will be released at the end, towards the end of the month. I will be releasing the full lineup for the awful waffle reunion before the end of the month. Probably, maybe, possibly after St. Patrick's. Are Day. they getting dates too? Um, yes. Whoa. Because, um, we're tickets will probably tickets will probably go on sale before the end of the month so probably 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 before april or around april they'll they'll go on sale i don't know an exact date we're still setting up the online uh ticket sale right now but uh yeah we we figured out the lineup actually today like i sat down and like figured it out with them and um so that's done it's we're we're ready to go bro i don't know this like I, it's a really great lineup i'm really excited to be doing this is definitely the biggest project we've ever done. Um, I, I, I'll say more as, yeah. as we release it. Um, I don't know what else to say. Um, yeah, guys, thanks again for listening. Uh, this was a really fun one. Thank you, Sarah, for, um, finding this, uh, subject for us. She's super, super interesting character. Um, what is it? I, hopefully the next one, I don't know how we're going to top that one, but the, yeah. So I guess I'll check you out next time, guys. See you later. Horns, horns, horns. Only posers don't listen. Bye.